Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. have a few announcements, but we'll save those till the end of the service this morning. So if you want to follow along, and we hope and pray that you do this morning for the message, please turn to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. The book of Jonah. This will be the last uh, Old Testament prayer that we look at before we go into the New Testament. And uh, two weeks from today, we will be looking at the Lord's Prayer as one of those New Testament prayers as we begin to wrap up our series on prayer. I hope that you've been uh, enjoying the series on prayer. I hope you've been inspired and challenged by this series on prayer that we've done. And uh, I know that God has really spoken to me through my studies and teaching on the subject of prayer. So Jonah, we're going to be in chapter 2 of the book of Jonah this morning. But a few introductory remarks before we get into the actual passage this morning. First of all, Jonah is one of what are called the minor prophets, those 12 books at the end of the Old Testament. They are called minor not because they're unimportant. In fact, their message is very major. They're simply called minor because they are very small compared to the major prophets of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. So that's why they're called minor. But their message, again, is very, very important. Before we come also to the book of Jonah and to the story before us today, I want to remind us of this. Though there are many skeptics and people down through history who have uh, objected uh, to this story and, and said that this story could have never happened and all of that, that uh, Jesus himself believed in the story of Jonah. In fact, he used the story of Jonah in his own ministry. You can look it up in Matthew chapter 12, if you like, where the religious leaders of Israel came to Jesus and said, we want a sign. And Jesus said, you will have no sign other than the prophet Jonah. And just as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights. So the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. That's the only sign you will get. And so, if you disbelieve in the story of Jonah, then you are in disagreement with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe that the story of Jonah is just a big fish story then you are opposite of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, in a sense, are calling Jesus a liar. Because Jesus believed in the story of Jonah. And what we have before us also is a continuation of the ministry of this prophet. This, this was not the first time that God tapped Jonah on the, so, on the shoulder and said, Jonah, I've got an assignment for you. I, I want you to go do this. This was actually the biggest assignment that God had ever given him, only because Jonah up to this point was faithful to the Lord. In fact, so faithful that Jonah was sort of a hero in Israel. 
Jonah was the prophet that God sent to the king Jeroboam in the northern country to warn Jeroboam of the Assyrian uh, attack and the Assyrian invasion. And you can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 12. And, and Jonah gave Jeroboam the message from God and the nation of Israel was spared. They shored up their borders and Assyria could not attack them. And so Jonah was actually considered sort of a hero in the country. So now God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, I've got the biggest assignment I've ever given to you. The most important, I'm going to send you to the biggest city I could possibly send you to. If you carry this out, you will have more of an impact, more of an influence than you even had up to this point. I got something big for you, Jonah. And you would think, just logically speaking, You and I are going through in our walk with God and we're obeying God and we're listening to the voice of God and we're doing what God wants us to do and he continues to give us more and more that if God came back and said, now Jeff, I've got something now really important for you to do. Biggest thing you've ever done. We'd jump right on it, right? Well, not always. And neither did Jonah. In fact, in chapter 1 just as a sort of a quick review till we get to chapter 2, God comes to Jonah and says, Now, Jonah, I have another assignment for you, the biggest one I've ever given you. I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to preach for me there and tell those people there in Nineveh that if they don't repent, judgment's coming. And the Bible says in chapter 1 that as soon as Jonah, as soon as Jonah heard the voice of God and what God's will was, He literally took off and ran in the opposite direction. In fact, if you study the geography, if you will, of chapter 1, you realize that Nineveh was that way. Jonah actually went the very opposite way as far as he could go. He was on the run from God. And let's say this. Can people that don't know God run from him? Absolutely. As God seeks to to reach them and share with them his love and his plan and purpose for their lives and wanting, in a sense, to bring them into a relationship with him, can people who don't know God run from him? Absolutely. But what we have before us, and this is important for us as the people of God, is to be reminded that it's not just people who don't know God and don't have a relationship that can run from God. It's people who know God and and have a relationship with Him that can run from Him at times as well. If a prophet of God can run from God, then anyone can run from God. And so we have to to realize that and acknowledge that and, and hopefully be in a place right now where we would say, well, God... I know I'm not running from you now. Because notice also in this story of Jonah, that it's not that Jonah didn't even know what the will of God was. Like, well, God, I'm trying to figure out your will, and and then if I do, I'll do it. No, he clearly knew what God's will was. He clearly heard the voice of God. It's not like there was any ambiguity on Jonah's part about what God wanted him to do. It was just the opposite. He knew exactly what God wanted him to do, and he ran from it. I wonder, as you and I hear this message this morning, is there anyone here this morning that's, you're in the place of Jonah. 
you know the direction God wants you to go. You know what God wants you to do. And you, like Jonah, have said, no, not for me. And you're on the run. Maybe you know of someone in your family. A friend. Again, a Christian. Not someone who doesn't even know God, but someone who knows God. And you know they're on the run. They are running from God. And one of the things that we learn from the book of Jonah is one really can't run from God. We, we might think we can run from God. We might convince ourselves we're running from God. And, but Jonah and the message of Jonah points out no one can really run from God because where can we go that God can't see us? Where God can't speak to us. Where God can't be there. So as we come to chapter 2 of the book of Jonah, we come to this prayer. And really the whole chapter of chapter 2 and the whole book isn't happening in real time. It happened much later where Jonah had the opportunity to recount this story and to literally write it down. So the prayer that we're looking at in chapter 2 is what Jonah recalled and recounted after the fact, as he sat down under the inspiration of God and began to write out his story of running from God. And we can learn, as we have been learning through looking at these specific prayers in the Bible, we can learn from these prayers. And so today, may God use his word to once again enlighten us and teach us some things about ourselves and about our God and sometimes even the place we find ourselves in with God. I want to sort of run into chapter 2 from the end of chapter 1. Because you probably know the story. Jonah got on this boat, was sailing again as far away as he could get and God brought up this storm and the sailors and everybody on the boat were freaking out like we're going to die and this has got to be somebody's fault. And Jonah's like, well, you know, it's probably my fault because I'm running from God. And it's really interesting, too, if you study chapter one, Jonah was reluctant to tell people about God in Nineveh. But the very first words out of Jonah's mouth in chapter 1 is when he's really telling the people his own testimony on the boat. I'm a Hebrew, I'm a prophet of God, all this kind of stuff. Sort of, you know, interesting how God does those things. And so finally they throw Jonah off the boat. And of course for them, the storm calms. And they seem to be okay. God sends this huge fish to swallow up Jonah. And it reminds us that this was, this was God's actually deliverance, instrument of deliverance and protection for Jonah. If he wouldn't have sent the fish, Jonah would have sunk to the bottom of the ocean and he would have died. So the fish and being swallowed by the fish was actually a great blessing. It reminds us that you and I don't get to choose how God chooses to deliver us. Especially when we're on the run from God. 
And isn't it interesting, too, that Jonah would be thankful later on, obviously not in the moment, that the fish was more obedient to God than he was? Because what if the fish were said, I'm not going to swallow that prophet. Ooh, yuck. No, the fish did exactly what God wanted him to do. And thank God, because without the obedient fish, Jonah would have died. So the Bible says the Lord sent a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights, just like Jesus had pointed out. So here it is, chapter two, verse one, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, Jehovah, his God. He had a relationship with him. He was one of his prophets from the stomach of the fish. This reminds us something about prayer. There's no place where you and I can't pray. No place where we can't pray. And Jonah said, I called unto the Lord from my distress. I was crying for help from my deep trouble. And the reason why Jonah was in the place he was in was because he ran from God. And God was now going to take Jonah down as far as he had to to get Jonah to a place where Jonah would be willing to do what God wanted him to do. Now think about that. That reminds us of the patience, the long-suffering, and the mercy of our God. Because in this moment, when there are thousands of people waiting to hear a word from God in Nineveh, and God already knows what's going to happen, that these people truly, once they hear the word of God, many of them will repent and turn to Him. He could have easily said as God, You don't want to do my will, Jonah? Fine. I'm giving up on you. I am done with you. I will find another prophet in Israel that will obey me. And not that God doesn't do that at times, but God is showing through this message and story of Jonah that God, yes, he cares about the thousands of people in other places. He cares about the thousands of people that were going to be in Nineveh, that were going to turn to him. But he also cares about the one individual who's even on the run from him. And he won't let that person go any more than he'll let you go when you're on the run from him or let a family member or friend who's running from him let them go either. He doesn't do that. See, he cares as much about each individual just as he did Jonah. Because all that took place in Jonah's life was because God cared enough about him that he didn't let him go and ever turn his back on Jonah, even though Jonah turned his back on God and refused to do what God said. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. And notice what Jonah says. I cried out to the Lord in my deep trouble. And guess what? He answered me. The word means he paid attention to me. He responded to me. Even when I was disobedient, even when I was on the run, even now as I'm in the middle of the ocean, in the belly of this great fish, I'm crying out to God and he hears me. I hope you remember that about prayer. See, we don't always have to be praying 
to God and talking to him when we're in a good place. One of the things that the message of Jonah reminds us is we can be talking to God and praying to him and even crying out to him and all that when we're in a really bad place. Sometimes it's hard for us to get that. It's almost like we think as, as Christians, uh, even, and, and people who know God and have a religion, I've got to have everything in my life right. And then I can serve and I can pray and I can do that. It's like, well, when are you going to get that done? A lot of times our best prayers, if you will, and most effective prayers to God may be when we're not in a very good place. But at least we keep the lines of communication going and open. And that's the most important thing. We know that in human relationships. Any human relationship that's going to last and be sustained, you've got to keep the lines of communication open. If they shut down and you no longer are communicating with with that person, that relationship begins to shrivel up. And then, God, uh, then Jonah says, from the belly of Sheol, I cried out for help. It means the deepest depth. Literally, death itself is what Sheol means. I shouted out to God. And again, Jonah says, he heard my prayer. It means he listened attentively to me. You threw me, God, into the deep waters. Again, it means the depths. Jonah was sinking down to the bottom. Because he was running from God. And it reminds us that God will take us as far as he has to down to get us to be willing to look back to him and change direction. And sometimes God, just as he did with Jonah, has to take us down pretty far before we're willing to look up and go, okay, God, I've been doing it my way. I'm ready now to do it your way. Maybe some of you or some who will listen to this message, you know what I'm speaking about because you feel yourself sinking. Because you're on the run from God, you continually, like Jonah, continually sink further and further and further down. It doesn't have to be that way, folks. You don't have to get all the way to the bottom like Jonah did. But the thing that Jonah is reminding us of here and recounting is that even at the bottom, God never stopped loving me. God never stopped caring for me. God never stopped trying to reach me. God never stopped listening to me and listening for me. God was right there even at my lowest point. And I hope you'll remember that today. And I hope that you will have opportunities to share that with others. 
Because you and I will come in contact with others in our lives that are running from God and maybe they're sinking. And maybe they're suffering and they're at the bottom and a lot of the pain and misery that they're going through is self-inflicted. Because if they just would do what God wants them to do, if they just do life God's way, they wouldn't be doing this, but they're doing it to themselves. And sometimes when we're in that place, we've got to be reminded, but God hasn't given up on you. God's right there and God hears you and God will respond to you just as he did to Jonah, even at your lowest point of your life, spiritually. If I was to ask everyone in this room, do you know what the lowest point of your life has been up to this point spiritually, what would you say? And even though I don't want you to dwell at that place, because God doesn't want us to dwell at that place, I do want to remind us of this. Whatever that place has been for you up to this point, where you feel you were further away from God then than you've ever been, remember something from the story of Jonah. God was there with you then. God was as much there with you then as he is when you have been as close to him as ever. And that's one of the big things that Jonah wanted to to express. And that's one of the big messages that God wants to get out and why he inspired this prophet to recount this story and write it down for us. It's so we would realize and help others to realize that even when you're at the bottom, even when you're at the lowest point of your life, God is there. And God has never stopped loving you, caring about you, seeking to reach you, and wanting to turn your life around and bless you once again. So Jonah says, you threw me into the deep waters, into the middle of the sea, and the ocean current engulfed me. All the mighty waves you sent swept over me. I thought I had been banished from your sight, that I would never again see your holy temple. Water engulfed me up to my neck. The deep ocean surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. You can just picture it, right? And Jonah says, I went down, I descended, I sank to the very bottoms of the mountains. The gates of the netherworld barred or shut me in forever. By the way, again, people who have attacked the validity and and truthfulness of the word of God used to laugh at that verse out of Jonah. (laughs) There are no mountains underneath the ocean. Do you know what we have discovered as really smart human beings who think we're smarter than God by attacking his word? That there are actually more mountain ranges under the surface of the ocean than there are on top of the ocean or on the land? Don't tell the creator what he's created. And Jonah, long before we had the technology to look underneath the ocean and see all of those mountain ranges underneath there, he testified, I'm telling you, folks, I'm telling you the truth. I sank down. I saw those mountains underneath that ocean. But I love this. 
Jonah says, but you brought me up from the pit, O Lord my God. And can I say God is the only one that can enable us to ascend, to climb, or rise out of the pit that we have found ourselves in because we're on the run from God. You may not be in a very good place spiritually, and you may be still trying to climb yourself out of that pit. You may be even turning to some other human being or human resource to help you get out of that pit. Let me just tell you right now, stop. The only person that can help us get out of that pit when we're in it is the Lord God himself. But here's the good thing. Because he is the Lord God, he can enable us to climb and rise and ascend out of any pit we find ourselves in. No matter how low we go, no matter what bottom we find ourselves in, there's no bottom too deep, no place so low that the Lord God cannot enable us to rise again from. I hope you believe that today. Because that's another one of the messages from Jonah. Jonah will tell all of us if he would be here today, I went down as far as you could go. At least on the earth. Physically. I went down as far as I could go. And it was a great picture, if you will, of where he was spiritually. He was also probably as far down spiritually as he could go. But just as Jesus said, God caused him to rise again, to have life again, to be renewed again, to be refreshed again, to be revived again. And only God can do that in someone's life. When we get to the end of ourselves where we stop trying to do it ourselves or turning to anyone or anything else to do it and we simply turn to God and say, God, save me, deliver me, rescue me because you're the only one that can. Jonah goes on to say in verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, when I was getting weaker and weaker and in a sense I thought I was going to die. I called out to you, Lord. I, I thought of you. And that's usually true. That's even true for people that don't have a relationship with God. They, they have a near-death experience or they think, you know, they, they're facing mortality. Or mortality is staring them right in the face. All of a sudden, those that disregard God and live as if God doesn't exist. And all of a sudden, who do they cry out to? Who do they think of? At times like that. Jonah's no different. And then he goes on to say, my prayer came to your holy temple. Those who worship worthless idols forfeit the mercy that could be theirs. Jonah's saying, when people are preoccupied with things other than you, God, we forfeit our own blessing and favor and be able to live life under your blessing and favor. Why do we do that? And, of course, Jonah now, the light bulb's starting to come on, and, he, and he's starting to get it now. But, obviously, when he was on the run, he, like many of us, think, I can run from God, I can disregard God, I can disobey God, but somehow it's going to turn out okay for me. And what Jonah's basically saying is, no... When we run from God and when we don't live life as God has designed it to be lived, we forfeit the favor and blessing of God on our lives. 
we end up in fish's stomachs at the bottom of oceans rather than being used by God and, and, and being fulfilled by God and satisfied by God like nothing else can. And then in verse 9, he says, But as for me, I promise to, and in the Hebrew, it's to continually offer a sacrifice to you with a public declaration, literally a loud voice. God, you get me out of this fish's stomach, everyone's going to hear about you from me. No one's going to be able to keep me quiet any longer. And I'm not going to sit there in church and just sort of whisper, Now, I'm going to praise you, God, as loud as I can. Which is what the word praise means. Verse 9, thanksgiving or adoration to God. And then he says, I will surely do what I have promised. In other words, I'll make good on the vows, God. I'll make good on the vows. Because we all know when we're in positions like Jonah, don't we all start to make deals with God? God, if you just get me out of this one more time. God, if, if you could just do this. If you could take the mess I have gotten myself into and somehow help me figure this out and move on from here. God, this is, I'll do this, I'll do this. I mean, you know, Jonah's no different than we are. Jonah is simply saying, but God, I'll follow through. I, I won't be one of those people that gets in a tight place or gets in a really bad place and starts to make all these promises and vows and won't follow through. God, I'll follow through on it, I promise. Just give me another chance. And then he says, I will surely do what I have promised. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Now remember, Jonah was already in a relationship with God. So the salvation that he's talking about here isn't salvation as we talk about it a lot where one comes into a relationship with God. He's simply using the word to speak of deliverance, rescue, victory even over defeat. Jonah's simply saying, you want to be delivered from something? You want to be rescued from something? You want your life back again the way God intended it to be? It only comes from God. Salvation is only from the Lord. We cannot be saved or rescued Or put in a better place through our own strength, through some other human strength or resource. The only one that can get us back and revive us again and give us life again and get us up from the dead again and from the very bottoms of where we find ourselves is God. This was Jonah's personal declaration. And then I love this, verse 10. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it disgorged or vomited Jonah on dry land. By the way, something else about the fish. Don't you think if God can speak to a fish, God can speak to you? And I believe that God is speaking to people right now. And we'll use this message as it goes out on podcasts and video to speak to people as well, because he promised that. He said, when my word goes out, it will not return void. I will use my word to speak to people. The question is, 
Are we going to be more like the fish that listens to the voice of God? Or are we going to be more like Jonah who disregards the voice of God and still runs the other way? And then I love this, just a little bit into chapter 3. The Lord said to Jonah a second time, Now go to Nineveh. So notice something. What that's teaching us is something we know because we've probably experienced it many times in our own lives already. And that is, God is a God of the second chance. He's a God of the second opportunity. Would he have had to give Jonah another opportunity to be that obedient prophet? No. He would have been perfectly justified as God to say, Jonah, I am moving on from you. I'm done. You ran from me. God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that with us. And God doesn't do that with others that we know who are running from God right now either. God wants to give you and I and them a second chance. A second opportunity. And what will we do with those second opportunities and those second chances when they come from God? Will we seize those opportunities and make the most of them? Or will we take those opportunities and chances for granted? Wow, God, you you didn't have to do this, but you did it anyway. By the way, just another thought. Some have wondered down through history, you know, could a human being survive in the stomach of a fish? And the answer is yes. There have actually been documented cases of a few people in history who've been swallowed alive by a fish and survived. One thing very interesting about those few cases, though, when you spend any time at all in the belly of a great fish, as it tries to digest you, it will literally leach out of you or, or bleach your skin. And I just believe, one of, the, one of the things I always wonder is, I wonder why the people of Nineveh really... They never questioned that Jonah had been swallowed by a great fish and thrown up. Think of it this way. Here comes Jonah, the prophet of God, into their city, and he looks like he's just been parboiled. And he's just totally, all the color of his skin has been just bleached out through the digestive juices of this fish that he's been in the stomach of for several days. And and they're like, you've just been swallowed by a fish, haven't you? You, you just spent time in the belly of a fish. Because you look like it. You, you don't look anything like you used to. How did that happen to you? Well, let me tell you what happened. I ran from God. And God sent a great fish to swallow me up. And God gave me a second chance. Is God giving you a second chance or a second opportunity? Or maybe you sit here today and go, you know, Pastor Jeff, this, this, is, this is good stuff, but me and God are in a good place. I, I'm not running from God. But maybe God wants you to use the truth of this message in someone else's life that you know. Because probably all of us know of at least somebody, a 
family member, a friend, or even again, maybe even someone that doesn't know God yet who's running from God. And you could use the truth of the book of Jonah to speak into their life when God gives you the opportunity. Sometimes the messages that God has for us isn't for us. Sometimes it's for someone else through us. Just like sometimes the things that happen to us aren't for us, sometimes God just wants to use our life to impact and influence someone else's life around us. But two things I'd like to leave you with today, and I I think that these truly, no matter where you and I are, these will apply. Because these are two things that you and I always need to keep in mind as followers of Jesus Christ. The first is this. May we not disconnect God's blessing in our lives from his purpose for our lives. May we never disconnect the blessing of God in our lives from the purpose he has for our lives. That is a universal principle that runs throughout the Bible. Think with me back to even how God spoke to Abraham. What did he say to Abraham? He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. But it doesn't stop there, does it? So that you and all of your ancestors and generations after you can be what? Can be a blessing. See, this is something that Jonah needed to be reminded of here. God had blessed Jonah. But that blessing, like many today, isn't supposed to just sit with us. When God blesses our lives in some way, it's it's to simply be a blessing to others. And that's something Jonah had forgot. He was in a place where he wanted to keep the blessing of God to himself. And I think that's one of the reasons why he chose to not go to Nineveh. I mean, certainly, too, it was because he was just downright prejudiced. Jonah did not refuse to go to Nineveh because he thought he would fail. He actually refused to go to Nineveh because he thought he would be successful. Think about that. He knew his God well enough to know, if I go to Nineveh, the people that I hate and I despise, they'll hear your word and they'll turn it. I don't want them to turn to God. So he wasn't refusing to do what God wanted him to do in his life because he thought he would fail. He refused to do what God wanted him to do because he thought he would be successful. And the second principle is this. May we also never disconnect God's mercy in our lives from his mission for our lives. May we never disconnect the mercy of God in our lives from the mission he has for us in our lives. Let me just read this to you because I I won't capture it as Paul said it. But Paul got this. He really did. And I think he lived it his whole life. In the book of 1 Timothy, listen to the words of Paul. He says, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, I am the worst of them. But here is why I was treated with mercy. So that in me, as the worst, Christ Jesus could demonstrate his utmost patience 
as an example for those who are going to believe in him for eternal life. Paul always linked the mercy that he had received from God with his mission in life. And that was to be an example and to remind people that God has been merciful to me. God has been long-suffering to me. God never treated me according to the sins that I have sinned against Him. God gave me, Paul, a second chance. God gave me a second opportunity. And I'm going to spend my life on a mission to share with others that you can have that same second chance, that same opportunity. God can give you. And God, being merciful to me, is just as merciful merciful to you because God wants to use our lives as examples to other about his mercy, his grace, his long suffering, his forgiveness, and those second chances and opportunities that God will give us. See, as Christians, we've been the recipients of unbelievable mercy And because we have been recipients of such unbelievable mercy in our lives and throughout our lives, we should be on a mission. A mission to share with others that same mercy. And because God has a purpose for our lives, may we never disconnect that purpose. From his blessing. When God blesses us as his people. His will is never for that blessing to stay with us. The blessings that God bestows upon us are to be shared with others. We're never to keep the blessing of God to ourselves. These are the lessons from the book of Jonah and Jonah's prayer. Let's pray. God, we've been reminded today that we can't run from you and that there's nowhere we could run and no depth, Lord, that we could sink to that you're not there, that you won't hear, that you won't respond, that you won't save and deliver and rescue and forgive. God, I pray that the message of Jonah and the prayer of Jonah would just be solidified in our hearts and minds today. Use the story and the truth of Jonah and his experience with you, God, not only in our lives, But give us opportunities, Lord, to share this message and this truth with others as well. Because, Lord, if a prophet of God can run from you, then any of us can run from you. And if there's someone or some people here today, Lord, in this auditorium who are running from you, I hope today through this message of Jonah that they would realize they've got to stop running. Because if they keep running, they're only going to sink further and further and further down. But God, if they're willing to turn to you 
and stop running, they will really begin to experience the blessing and favor of God. God, use this message and use the words of the song we're about to sing. Bring us back to you, God, and help us to encourage others to come back to you as well. You never give up on us, God. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.